You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi guys and welcome to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, Sam Believe, the host. And uh, together we have a very special guest, Jesse. Jesse is a military veteran and he came to our retreat a few months ago. Um, when Jesse was here at our retreat, uh, we spoke a little bit about uh, PTSD, about ayahuasca and veterans, and I just love the way Jesse talks about the subject. He seems to be extremely knowledgeable, and the way he explains things, I have not ever heard that explained better. So I believe that the world deserves to hear that. So Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to see you again, Sam. Uh, Jesse, first of all, um, which month were you at the retreat at Loara? Um, I think it's been three months ago. Okay, so how are you feeling three months later? Um, I, I feel really good. Uh, I've been able to go deeper uh, in my personal journey and um, navigate um, some roadblocks that I had put up. Um, but it, it's, it's a net positive. It's, it's a difficult path when you realize, um, you, your old coping mechanisms are, are ineffective and it kind of leaves your foundation shattered, but, but, uh, it, it forces you to do some hard work. Mm -hmm. This is very true. And as, 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 as you mentioned, and as we like to say, the work with the healing work is two steps forward, one step back. So, um, but you never, even if you do 100 steps forward and then 99 steps back, you never really go uh, where, you, where you went before. So, uh, Jesse, uh, let's talk a little bit about PTSD and uh, start with what caused PTSD in you uh, and, and your, your history with the U.S. military. Sure. Uh, I served in the U.S. Army for nine years and I was deployed to Iraq for almost 18 months. Um I had a, a very difficult deployment. I saw a lot of combat and action. Um, but during this time, it is was something I enjoyed because I was a, a young guy and I had you know, school children writing me, telling me I was their hero and I was just living it up. But when you come home from that environment, um, things just don't feel right. So, so for me, um, I, I was forced to take another human being's life in self-defense during combat. And I did not realize the toll that it had on me until after I was removed from that situation. So when I returned home, um, I was very angry and frustrated. There's, those were the only emotions that I was able to feel. And besides that, I felt like a robot just going, barely going through the motions of life. And I became very depressed. So I tried to understand what was happening inside of my body. Um, I was at my grandfather's funeral who I love this man dearly. And I saw people being emotional and crying around me. And I was not able to feel anything. Uh, so I started doing research. And, you know, science wants to say everything's related to neurotransmitters and, and mental health. Um, I, I question that. But... If you woke up late for work, 
or lost your car keys or were being chased by a dangerous animal, you would have what's called a sympathetic outflow. It is a fight or flight response. You would have adrenaline going through your, your system. Um, and you would be have a heightened uh, sense of awareness around your surroundings. And, and everything is designed for survival and, and for you to be able to react and, and protect yourself. So in combat, this occurs um, when someone is actively trying to take your life or the threat is there. So in my case, we were mortared uh, on a weekly basis. Every time we went on a convoy, there was the threat of a roadside bomb, et cetera. So if you had adrenaline surging in your system for a year and a half, you, your body would die. You would not be able to maintain an elevated heart rate. Um, you, you would just shut down. You, you would be non-mission capable. So the body is designed to survive, so you become what's called upregulated. You form extra uh, neuroreceptors, so so the you're dumbed down to the to the, to that response. Um, it takes more of that fear um, or the perceived threat to to trigger a response. So now instead of hearing a mortar go off um, and being afraid, uh, I might not have that peer response unless I physically feel the vibration of that bomb in my body. Uh, so so when we go home from this, this tour of duty, uh, nothing is going to even begin to come close to reaching that threshold where you have an emotional response. You can go on a, a date with a girl and, and and it's just, it's not there. The feelings aren't there because you have been uh, numbed down so much from, from the constant bombardment of, of fear and anxiety. So for me, that is where my PTSD stemmed from. And I feel like that resonates with a lot of veterans. So, so when I came home, um, I, I seeked help. When I got to a point where I was in the shower and had the thought that if I took my own life with a firearm, at least in this setting, it would help contain the mess in my family. You wouldn't be burdened with, you know, scrubbing an entire room, just, you know, letting the water do, do its job. And, and I realized <clears throat> I, I needed help. Some, something needed to change. So the Veterans Affairs, you know, they 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 have a good campaign. They they truly desire to help veterans, um, but it's through chemicals. It's it's here's some antidepressants, and they're really it's really sad the metrics that they utilize um, to give you uh, to label you as a success story. So are you gainfully employed? Do you actively want to kill yourself or harm another person? You answer no, then then you're you're on the right path. You you may cry yourself to sleep every night, and and wish you could feel anything other than pain. Um, but they just they just want to prescribe medications. But that that's where our society is at. I think we have a very poor understanding uh, of of trauma. Um, so having been through this. 
uh, I heard about psychedelics. I'd never taken drugs in my life before. Um, the first plant medicine I sat with was ayahuasca. And uh, it was a leap of faith. I, I did I did some research and read some some articles on it. But what pulled me was a calling in my spirit. I, I felt something pulling me, um, opening a door, saying, you, this is here for you. You, you just have to make the step of uh, the first step. Just take the first step. And uh, I just I had a sensation inside of me, uh, a calling that said it will be OK. It will be OK. Just take the step and everything everything's going to be fine. So I did. And it saved my life. It absolutely saved my life. Well, Jesse, I'm happy you found ayahuasca instead of um, cocaine or heroin or other things people can find to to get relief because unfortunately yeah. some some things that are called drugs really are drugs and even though ayahuasca is called a drug by some people it is truly a medicine. Um, you spoke about uh, you know explaining the PTSD with the terms of um, you know, neurons and uh, and uh, chemistry that happens in your brain have you ever thought about it from the point of view of you know you said ayahuasca was calling you have you ever thought about um, maybe there is some spiritual aspect to it or somehow taking life of the other person might have caused something in your spirit or it's basically a question i never thought about before but have you felt anything in that direction yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was always, I considered myself a spiritual person, but going down this path, um, I, I realized that um, there are things at play that influence our physical life here on earth that are outside of our abilities to detect and apply metrics to them. So they're there are, I, I say it's it's um, the spirit realm. Um, I've experienced it and I'm extremely fascinated. And, and I believe that that is where true healing takes place. So, you know, in science, um, research uses terms like brain-derived uh, neurotropic factors and neuroplasticity. So with these ketamine therapies, they say like you're, you're regrowing connections and it's allowing you to see things in a different light and that's how you can um, process your trauma and heal but there is so much more than what science um, is telling us or even able to detect like when i sat with ayahuasca um, with you and the shaman is is playing music and you, you feel the energy vibrations in your spirit you cannot explain that um with with tools in a laboratory there's something very profound going on that that influences us um that it just it, it's not able to be put into spoken word well um you got tremendous relief from ayahuasca right and um it probably addressed both the the mental side of it the the neurotransmitter side of it and also the the spiritual side of it and you know how many more levels there are we really don't know right but um yeah. in in your in your experiencing of that medicine and your process how do you think it worked both from like 
neurotransmitter perspective and from other perspectives you might have felt? Sure. Um, it allowed me, um, I want to say it almost gave me like downloads of knowledge um, from the cosmos. I don't want to get woo-woo with you, but I feel like the lessons I have learned through psychedelics and, and plant medicines have, um, I mean, I, I like to think I'm a smart guy, but I'm, it's just things I wouldn't have thought of realizations, like a, like light bulb moments, um, that have just absolutely changed, changed my life for the better. Um, so whether that's neurotransmitters forming new paths, I, I don't know, nor do I really care. It's just I I feel it um, in my in my spirit that that there is there is profound growth and and I am continually becoming a better person because of it. Yeah, it is very difficult not to cross that threshold when a reasonably sounding conversation becomes a woo woo sounding conversation because. As you know, it would work with ayahuasca and in the word circles, there's there's many there's many levels to it, right? And uh, at Lawaira at our retreat, we always try and focus on sort of um, I would say normal language in, in such a way that an everyday person could uh, still identify with it and uh, come to us for at least their healing before they get turned away by the by the spiritual side of it, because yeah, there is a, a lot of negative stigma to spirituality, I guess, largely because of religion and cults and a lot of people suffer from that. But yeah. uh, in a way, uh, sometimes it gets very difficult to explain yourself uh, at an ayahuasca retreat without using the, the woo-woo terminology. And especially when it comes to veterans, they are not the most spiritual people out there, let's say, if not uh, the opposite. And they're very uh, sensitive to anything that might be called spiritual. So, like, wh what would you say to the veterans that maybe are struggling and are afraid to um, to pursue ayahuasca because they you know they they they're they're afraid to become the white linen pants wearing fedora wearing copper cup drinking kind of crystal <laughs> hugging tree hugging person. So, what would you tell them, like? How would you communicate to them to to help them seek that healing, you know, without turning them away? Um, so I I had a very significant trauma that um, wasn't able to be measured by a healthcare provider. If you have a physical injury, they may look at the granulation tissue. Um, you know, healing on your arm, or if you have a sports injury, they look at your range of motion of your extremity and, and they can say, you know, you're making progress, you're healing, but it's very difficult with, with personal trauma. I'm not, I'm not sure any metric exists that would uh, not be offensive to be applied. Uh, I do not know everyone's trauma. Uh, the worst thing that's happened to anyone is the worst thing that's happened to them. It, it could be being bullied in high school or it could be taking another human's life. There's, but that doesn't mean that it, it hasn't affected you very deeply. 
Um, I would just say that if you just can go somewhere peacefully and sit with your thoughts and explore what is happening inside of your consciousness, um, your emotions, uh, how you react to certain situations, and and if that brings you joy and happiness, and if you're at peace, and if not, there is another option out there. And what this does is it allows you to have a very significant and powerful tool to utilize. It's not a cure. It is not a magic wand. Um, going down this journey of self-discovery and healing is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, sometimes I think back about being blissfully ignorant and think that it may be easier. Um, but I know I'm on the right path and I know I'm making the right decisions by improving my, my ability to recognize my emotions and, and just to be more, more mature. Um, but it, it is a hard path. I'm not going to whitewash it and say that it's not hard work. If you want to better yourself, you, you have to put in the effort. You're, you can't just put something in your body, um, lay there, see some visuals or take a nap and wake up and want to give people hugs and say, let's go home. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So I want you to have um, prepared yourself adequately. Um, but the, the, the expectations should be that you are going to emerge uh, from this experience net positive. You may be confused. Um, I know I, I struggled with realizing that the very foundation I built my life upon seemed to be shattered because my narcissistic behaviors that made me think I was, you know, comfortable and in control and safe, they were gone. I, I realized that I need to be responsible for my actions and, and I can't blame people for making me feel a certain way. Uh, an example that happens often is uh, we try to control our family or our kids. And if, it, if they're just quiet, then there's peace in the house. But as soon as there's not quiet, then we, you know, we get shitty and yell and, and snap and treat people horribly. But fact is we were never in control in the first place of the external stimuli. When we realize we are only in control of ourselves and our consciousness, um, that then the true growth can occur. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree with you, Jesse, and it is important to um, communicate to anyone who is embarking on the journey with work with ayahuasca that, yes, ayahuasca is not a magic bullet. It will not just magically take your problems all away after just uh, one ceremony and one purge, but it will, it will um, like in my case, it takes away the pain, at least temporarily, and gives you clarity to be able to make some steps. And it's it's through those steps and changes in your behavior and in your day-to-day -day life where the real healing happens. So as, as we like to say to people that are at our retreat, uh, the, the work, the real healing work starts the moment you leave. When you leave the artificial, yeah. serene environment, you know, when you're in a paradise and everyone around you is nice and kind and loving it's easy to be good in this uh, space and it's good to have that relief 
for at least a few weeks. Uh, but then when you're in a traffic jam and somebody screams at you or, uh, you know, your wife yells at you or your kids or, you know, a taxi driver, whatever, this is where the real test comes and this is where you need to like step up and, and be the best version of yourself. And yeah, it's 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 definitely that that process. And if somebody really understands that coming to an ayahuasca retreat, they're embarking on the healing journey and then their life will get better gradually from then on and it will involve a lot of work. But they see it as an exciting journey, you know, as, as going for a road trip. You know, you, you know there's going to be, uh, you know, punctured tires and you have to pay tolls and but you yeah. know that it's that it's that journey itself is is, is going to be fun it's not just a destination if you want to go to destination you just take a take a flight you know the the road trip itself yeah. is a pleasure in this case the journey if you, if you really look at it and and uh, cherish every moment every word circle every ceremony every journal entry you make i believe the um, the the real real healing will come and it can be satisfactory yeah, I agree. I, I think ayahuasca has uh, cleared fog that I've viewed life through. Um, so it, it has allowed me to see clearly. Um, and uh, you guys have a very a beautiful retreat. Um, I did want to mention um, your, yours was a third location um, that I went to, and I will not be going to, to any other after experiencing yours. Um, one of the, the the most important things I can communicate to other veterans is we need to feel safe um, as as we embark on this journey. And uh, I attended um, some places where um, English was not spoken during the ceremony. And I had a very hard um, ceremony. A lot of things came up. I was uh, confused and, and needed to communicate with the facilitator about what I was experiencing. And I felt abandoned because they were just playing their music and um, did not understand what I just like thumbs up, giving me thumbs up. Like, no, I feel like I'm dying over here and I, I need to explain what's happening to me and just you know, carry on. Um, but with you, the attention to detail um, exceeded every expectation that I, I may have came with. So I, ju I just want to put that out there that someone has your back. Um, you're not going to be left alone um, during the ceremony. Your your safety is paramount. Uh, and then afterwards, the the integration and you know guiding you to take the the next steps is uh, something that is. Yeah. probably very rare so you guys are doing it right you know thank what you're you doing. jesse thank you jesse yeah. thank you for the kind words uh, we're only gonna continue improving that and um i i know you probably know a little bit about my plans and the reason i have a, a very high interest in um in in veterans there is no real reason like i'm not a military veteran myself i i know a few friends of mine that have suffered from this but i do i do feel that this is one of the the most vulnerable sort of parts of population that needs ayahuasca the most but wants it the least for example i'll 
be honest, this is very unfortunate, but here in Colombia, a lot of veterans come here in escape from pain, seeking drugs and prostitution and stuff like that. And I understand that it is a coping mechanism, as um, as you said, uh, and, and we all find our own and to, to just escape from the pain. However, if I could get some of those people that come here for the wrong reasons to then find ayahuasca and get actual long-term healing and, you know, um, change their lifestyle, maybe get, get a happy family and just um, put themselves on the right path, that does seem like a very sort of good good goal to have so we i, I want to talk a little bit about the suicide and, and veterans and you mentioned you were suicidal and i'm very very happy you didn't kill yourself because you're 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 a great human being I, I do believe that you have a mission here and it might have something to do with uh, spreading the the healing within the veterans or other communities but um last time i checked there was a statistics a very gruesome one that 22 veterans kill themselves every day i believe that i hope it went down since then but uh, i remember ever since hearing that i realized that our ceremonies are 22 people on average which immediately kind of synchronistically drew that line for me where i thought that i would like to one day be able organize to organize ceremonies for veterans specifically meaning where uh, people with a very similar background and with the language they can they can all relate to could come uh, and do maybe we could do one veteran retreat one once every few months and i know it's not going to be easy because there will be probably some violence might come out and stuff like that but um i do believe that um i don't know i just got this st still have this sort of calling to do it i don't know how or when but I believe just uh, as of now, the right step is just uh, talking about it. And um, yeah. I love your explanation of PTSD. And maybe this way we can get some attention uh, from the veteran community. But someday I'm hoping to organize our first ever veteran uh, retreat where we'll get 22 veterans. We'll implement the body system where they can, you know, drink a couple nights and maybe take charge for one night and just help and be be there on the lookout in case if somebody will go in a berserk mode and will need to contain them you know that that happens uh, sometimes and i hope that when we do that uh, you'll be there as well with us maybe volunteering or participating and so um what would you what would your parting words be to all the veterans out there um maybe some quick advice for them to you know, stay afloat while they get their healing. Yeah, uh, I would just say that you, you may think you're comfortable and okay right now, um, but there there is a, another choice. There's a better option out there. And uh, it's been 20 years since I was deployed and I feel like I essentially lost that time. Um, I I'm just now beginning to live my life so at least do some research think about it um, take some breaths when you're angry and see how it how you truly feel inside um, because there there is peace and happiness and joy that is possible and uh 
I just I want that for you guys. Um, I look back at at how I felt, just just imagining um, ending my life very violently, and uh, I know that I'm not the only person that has ever thought that or felt that way. But uh, it makes me very sad that that occurs. So please, just please think about it. Thank you, Jesse, and um, um, thank you for this uh, message. Thank you for this um, episode. I really hope that some veterans will find it and uh, it will give them hope. There is hope, guys. And, um, you know, if uh, we just keep spreading the good word about ayahuasca, I, I have this yeah. irrealistic dream that one day will come to the existence where killing another human being will be unthinkable and wars will become a thing of a past. Yeah. But uh, meanwhile, all we can do is salvage the wrecks and uh, do do the best with what you, with what we got. Sure. Sam, I, I am not a, a wealthy person, um, but I want to, I want to give you a thousand dollars towards uh, put towards veterans retreat. Um, but I, I would like to, to be there as well. Okay, Jesse, I uh, will accept that donation. Thank you so much. And um, we'll think about how to use it to get this thing uh, to become a reality. Thank you, Jesse. I know it's uh, it's extremely generous. No problem. Okay, guys, uh, I know this has been a, a very um, difficult episode to listen to. Perhaps there's a, it's a, it's a strong subject, so... I hope you enjoyed it. If you know a veteran that might be struggling, share this with them. And um, I'll see you at the next episode of ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you was Sam Believe of Lawira Retreat and Jesse Borgelt. Is that correct? Borger? Borgelt. 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 Okay. Perfect, Jesse. Thank you so much. And... Um, and thank you. Thank you for this episode. Absolutely. My pleasure. Trae nai nai con la vida, vida de la baila, cura con la guaira.